This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. 12.03, good afternoon. Thanks so much for joining us here on the WBBM Noon Business Hour and a happy new year to you and yours. I'm Andy Dane in for Rob Hart today. Streaming services having a tougher time holding on to customers. We'll cover that in our next segment. But first, it is a new year. That means it's time for the 2024 Dogs of the Dow. Joining us now on the Village of Bedford Park business line, reminding you to bring your business home is Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the website UpsideStocks.com. Also the author of Winning with the Dow's Losers. Chuck, thanks for being with us here on the new business hour. Happy new year to you. First off, uh, if you can, kind of walk us through the the Dogs of the Dow investment strategy, what it's all about. The Dogs of the Dow investment strategy is basically one that focuses on buying the 10 highest yielding Dow stocks at the beginning of each year, holding those stocks for the 12 months, and then rebalancing into the, the, the new dogs, so to speak, for the following year. So it's a strategy that, that puts you into A, high stocks, and B, stocks presumably that that have been down uh, as reflected by those higher yields. So it's a bit of a contrarian strategy. It's a bit of a an income uh, dividend yield strategy as well. All right. So Chuck, walk us through this year's 10 dogs. And, and if you can explain to us why they land on the list this year. Sure. The, the 10 uh, dogs this year going into 2024 are in, in order of their yield uh, is Walgreens, Verizon, 3M, Dow, IBM, Chevron, Coca-Cola, Amgen, Cisco, and Johnson and & Johnson. And, and they are the dogs, as I mentioned, because of their high dividend yields. These are the 10 highest yielding stocks in the Dow Jones Industrial Average. Walgreens, for example, is yielding about 7.3%, and that goes all the way down to Johnson & Johnson, which is yielding about 3.04%. So, again, highest yielding stocks in the Dow. That's what gets into the Dow. You buy the portfolio, you hold it for a year, and, and hope that dividend stocks perform better in 2024 than they did in 2023. You mentioned that. I mean, historically, these dogs of the Dow do very well against the broader market. Last year, some of them kind of underperformed that broader market. In your eyes, kind of what was the change there last year? Well, you had rising interest rates, and, and uh, 2023, you know, was the year of really rising interest rates up until about the last two months of the year. And in a period of rising interest rates, dividend-paying stocks typically look less attractive. Uh, you know, the, the thinking is if you can get four or five percent in a money market, um, you know, that's going to pull money out of dividend-paying stocks and go into those income instruments. So, high, high interest, rising interest rates are tough on the dogs of the Dow strategy. I might add, Randy, that, that I wrote a book several years ago called Winning with the Dow's Losers, and it was about an alternative strategy with the Dow where you buy the Dow underdog stocks. And the underdog stocks 
are the 10 worst performing stocks in the Dow from one year that you buy for the next year. That performed exceptionally well in 2023. And interestingly, the top dog and the top underdog, so looking at the highest yielding stock in the Dow as well as the top underdog or the worst performing stock in 2023, is Walgreens. So if you're looking for kind of that one super dog, not to quote a iconic Chicago-based restaurant, um, for 2024, it would be Walgreens, which really fits the bill in both uh, in both strategies. Great stuff. Really, uh, re- really interesting stuff here as we start the new year. Uh, helpful as well for the investor. Thanks so much. Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services, publisher of the website UpsideStocks.com, and also author of Winning with the Dow's Losers. Coming up, more people are canceling their streaming services. Compounding your interest with an economy of words. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Well, the streaming wars are raging, with a quarter of U.S. subscribers canceling three or more major services in the last two years. That's according to November data from subscription analytics provider Antenna. And we now welcome in Tim Hanlon, founder and CEO of the Vertaire Group in Chicago. Tim, Happy New Year. Thanks for joining us here on the WBBM Noon Business Hour. I'm sure there's a lot of factors uh, here, but in your eyes, why exactly are so many people deciding to, to kind of cut back on their streaming? Well, happy new year, Andy. The, um, the reality is that, you know, January, especially, right. It's always a good time to reassess costs and, and, and budgeting and all that kind of stuff, the hangover from the holidays and and credit card bills and all that kind of stuff. And increasingly the idea of television, uh, or or streaming is, is, uh, very much under the same kind of scrutiny that we might put against, uh, other household, uh, items that we, uh, we, we pay for. And, Look, the reality is the last couple of years, uh, there have been a plethora of services uh, that have come uh, to challenge the Netflixes of the world, uh, and all of them are losing money with the exception of Netflix. And uh, there are a lot of reasons for that, but the reality is that the prices, the prices of those services are uh, individually and collectively going up. Um, there are a number of services that have ad support now to conceivably lower the cost of that uh, programming now, including Netflix, by the way. Um, and that's one way possibly where savings might happen. But the reality is that as all these bundled services now fight for our attention, uh, the cost of subscribing to all of them uh, continues to go up and up, almost to the point where it's the same as what an old cable service uh, might cost. So it, it just keeps going up. And I think, frankly, the business models of these services will require the prices to continue to go up. And that's clearly giving a lot of consumers pause as they truly reassess how much they really watch, how many services they really watch, what shows they really want to watch, uh, and have more flexibility in in approaching uh, how much they're willing to pay for television and streaming. So, Tim, you mentioned Netflix there, and I could go down the list uh, of all the other streaming services. It would probably take up the entire hour at this point. Uh, in your eyes, are there any particular winners or losers? Again, I think you mentioned uh, some positives for Netflix, but any any streaming service perhaps coming out really on the wrong end of this here? I think Netflix is uh, historically the strongest because they were the pioneers, I would argue, the ones that kind of showed the model, showed the way and now have the financial heft uh, to keep uh, innovating and adding more programming and and, and just a dominant international audience. I think now uh, Amazon Prime is kind of the other sort of uh, must-have or or, uh, default 
uh, keeper, shall we say, of the bundle, because a lot of people uh, get Amazon Prime, frankly, as an extra to their Amazon Prime subscription. Prime Video is literally a, a feature of the Amazon Prime function, which has historically been largely uh, the free shipping uh, uh, that comes with uh, one's Amazon uh, subscription. So uh, the fact that they're now adding ad support uh, to that street, that service, um, I think most people kind of have both of those as kind of just embedded in their streaming choices. Everything else, however, is very much uh, at, at the discretion of the consumer. Uh, a Disney Plus, an Apple TV, uh, an HBO Max, um, uh, Paramount Plus, I mean, all these others, uh, Hulu uh, and all the various combinations of the of those are are mere fractions of those larger audiences that Netflix and Amazon have. And uh, the reality is that it really kind of gets into what specific kind of programming is it niche? Is it a, a particular interest to certain tastes and stuff? I, I would argue that all of those others, with the exception of Netflix and Amazon Prime, are subject to uh, much uh, closer scrutiny in average consumers' budgets. Uh, and likely will be in 2024, 2025, fodder for combinations uh, uh, corporately where they might bundle or companies might buy each other uh, to, to eliminate all that choice and p- potentially create a third or maybe fourth strong brand to, uh, to, to linger on and compete against those big two. I might have to sit down and do some unsubscribing myself now after all this talk. Really great stuff. Uh, Tim Hanlon, thanks so much. Founder and CEO of the Vertair Group here in Chicago. Coming up, deciding if it's the right time to go house hunting. It's 60 Minutes of Financial Planning. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. As the calendar turns to 2024, some are wondering if it's a good time to buy a home. Let's talk timing now with Rick Sharga, founder and CEO of C.J. Patrick Company. Rick, Happy New Year. Thanks for being with us today on the WBBM Noon Business Hour. All right, it is officially 2024. Are we expecting a a buyer's or or a seller's market here? Well, Happy New Year to you and your listeners. It is. it's going to be another good year for sellers. Uh, buyers are going to be challenged a bit in, in 2024 because we're still looking at about a third of the, the, the normal amount of inventory of homes for sale that we, we'd like to see, uh, which, which really puts the sellers in the driver's seat. Rick, where are interest rates at now and moving forward? Where do you see them potentially going? Well, that, that is some good news for buyers. We, we should see mortgage rates gradually decline over the course of 2024. Uh, they're already down into the, the mid-sixes in, in, in terms of a 30-year fixed-rate loan for a highly qualified buyer. And if we want to be a little bit optimistic, we could even see interest rates go down uh, into the, the, the 5% range, not all the way down to 5%, but in the, the mid to high fives. And that'll make a, a meaningful difference for a lot of people in terms of affordability. Inventory, Rick, has been an issue uh, in the past. Right now, where, where does inventory stand and what could potentially lie ahead here in 2024? Well, whether you're looking at Illinois or you're looking at the United States, there's uh, about a two-and-a-half to three-month supply of homes available for sale. Uh, that's down about 30% from where we were in 2019 uh, and, and less than half of what would represent a balanced market. Uh, as those mortgage rates come down and as people have, have life events happen, we'll see inventory levels tick up a little bit this year, but probably not come back to where, where we, we'd like to see them in order to make the market 
a little bit more evenly balanced for buyers and sellers. Rick, one last question for you here. Let's check in on the new home builders. How are they doing as we enter the new year and, and what is expected in 2024 for them? We've seen an uptick in housing starts for owner-occupied single-family houses, and that's some good news. Uh, in, in fact, a, a lot of good news for buyers. They, they ought to be taking a look at new homes, even if they didn't think uh, that was, was what was on their agenda in 2024. New home prices are actually down a little bit from peak, uh, whereas existing home prices have continued to go up 5 6% a year. Uh, the, the, the builders are offering concessions and in many cases are actually bringing cash to the, the closing table in order to buy down mortgage rates for their buyers. So I think uh, we'll see a little bit of an increase in new home inventory and there might be some really interesting buying opportunities in the new home market for home buyers. All right. Rick Shargup, founder and CEO of CJ Patrick Company. Thanks so much for being with us today on the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Still ahead on this Travel Tuesday, a look at some off-the-beaten-path destinations which are gaining in popularity. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. This is Chicago's news, traffic, and weather station. News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Andy Dane in for Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. This is Mike Krauser. Very few of the migrants sent to Chicago so far have been cleared to work. Japan working to recover from a major earthquake and aftershocks that have left nearly 50 people dead. In Travel Tuesday, tracking the top trends for trips in the new year, and Bitcoin starting the new year on a major winning streak. Sports, the Bulls are in Philadelphia tonight, taking on the 76ers. Blackhawks skate in Nashville. Wall Street right now, the Dow is up 32 points. NASDAQ dropping 232. S&P 500 falling 26. Sunshine, a few clouds around today. Breezy Chile, the high near 40. Right now, partly sunny and 35 degrees at 1231. Well, very few of the asylum seekers who have arrived in Chicago over the last year plus are able to work legally. 
WBBM's Mike Krauser with the numbers. More than 14,000 migrants are currently living in shelters set up by the city. More than half are nearing the city-imposed 60-day limit on a shelter stay. That's February 1st. As of Monday, roughly 27,000 had arrived in the city, and data obtained by CBS2 suggests that just 1% have received work permits so far. Applications have been processed for about 1,500, according to the city's figures. 284 have received permits, 279 have received social security cards. Mike Krauser, News Radio 1059 WBBM. A series of powerful earthquakes in Japan has left at least four dozen dead. The tremors include aftershocks from a 7.6 quake that slammed the area a day earlier. At least two dozen people have been confirmed dead in Japan's Ishikawa prefecture, with damage to homes so great that authorities could not make an immediate assessment. At a news conference, Japan's Prime Minister, Fumio Kishida, said, I have received reports that very large-scale damage has been confirmed so far including numerous human casualties, building collapses and fires. One resident of Ishikawa Prefecture, Miki Kobayashi, whose home was badly damaged from the quake, told the AP, The wall has collapsed and you can see through to the next room. I don't think we can live here anymore. Water power and cell phone service were still down in some areas. I'm Karen Chamas. Money Talks, as the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Joining us now in the Village of Bedford Park business line, reminding you to bring your business home, is Ryan Dietrich, Chief Market Strategist of Carson Group. Ryan, Happy New Year. Thanks for joining us on the WBBM Noon Business Hour today. Uh, 2023, pretty solid year for stocks all around. Uh, in your opinion, what will we see in 2024? Could we see uh, more of the same here in the new year? Yeah, thanks for having me back, and happy 2024. I mean, the S&P gained almost 24% last year. NASDAQ was up over 40%. That was a little bit less, but you know, nonetheless, we think it can continue, and it comes down to, i come on for a while with you, saying there's likely no recession, right? The economy is still strong. The consumer is still strong. We're still making 200,000 jobs every single month. Oh, by the way, this year, manufacturing and housing, which were deterrence headwinds, let's call it, for the economy, will probably start to be tailwinds. So bottom line, one quick one on this, when you're up 20% for a year, like we were last year, what happens next? That following year has been higher actually 80% of the time, up like over 12% on average. Those are like better than average years. So if a listener thinks, oh man, we had a big year, we have to have a down year. If you can avoid a recession, history would say, you know what, we probably can see low double-digit returns this year, which would be uh, which would be nice, I think, for a lot of us. All right, so so definitely an optimistic tone there and something yeah. to, to, to look forward to. Let me ask you, Ryan, what could be the biggest threat in 2024 that could disrupt that current rally? Absolutely. I mean, it's funny. I started 22 years ago. I never talked about the Fed. It felt like in the beginning. Now we talk about the Fed every day, but it very well could be the Fed, right? We're hearing about, you know, the Fed might start to cut interest rates in March. Maybe they keep interest rates a little bit higher and don't cut so soon. And and that potentially can upset the apple cart. And at the same time, so we've got the Fed. I mean, let, let's be very clear. What what tends to get us? It's those black swan events. We don't, we don't see them coming. I mean, COVID, you know, potential issues in the Middle East. I mean, those things are there, right? We're not saying you should necessarily lose sleep over them. Um, but the bottom line, the economy is still solid. It can probably withstand any a lot of potential negative things out there. But it's usually those black swans that get you. Um, but again, the Fed is probably the one that we know is out there that we're watching that could there be a potential policy mistake. We don't expect it. I'm just saying, but, but that, that's one thing that could upset the apple cart. 
Ryan, getting into 2024 here, any areas of the market that you're focusing on that may be undervalued in your opinion right now? Yeah, we like small and mid caps. I know they've had a historic run, like the Russell 2000, that's a small cap index, is up over 20% the last two months. So let's be clear, very, very big catch up. But I'll tell you, when you look at, you talk about overvalued, undervalued, if you look at small caps relative to large caps, even after that huge run, small caps are like some of the cheapest levels they've been relative to large caps in like 20 years. And then layer on the fact that the Fed is probably done, higher interest rates, which didn't help small and mid caps, that's out of the way now. So we think those small and mid caps can do well. Also, like I mentioned, we don't see a recession. So industrials, financials, maybe some materials and energy, those cyclical areas should probably do pretty well. It's not just about the magnificent seven seven stocks. Look at today, right? Tech is down. I know Apple got a downgrade. That's a big reason why. We think this market's going to broaden out, and it's not just about tech and communications in 2024. There's a lot of other areas, small, mid, and cyclicals are what we're looking at. Ryan, one final question here for you. Uh, it is 2024. I'm sure a lot of people uh, had maybe make some more money as one of their New Year's resolutions. So so looking big picture here, uh, getting mm-hmm. into a new year, what is some of your advice uh, to the individual I- investor? Yeah, that's a great question. I'll tell you, it, look at last year, right? Everyone was so bearish. Everyone talked about all these bad things that would happen. The stock's from 20%. I think it's important for investors to remember this is a, you know, it's a marathon, not a sprint. It's cliche to say, but it's going to be scary. Think about this. One quick one to end it on. Since 1980, your average year sees a 14% peak to trough correction. 14%. We had a 10% correction the late October last year. Everybody was bared up, and then boom, we had the big rally. So be aware. Have a plan in place. It's going to be scary at times. We might even see a double-digit uh, you know, pullback, 10% or so pullback sometime during this year. That is normal. Investors need to remember that and use it as an opportunity, not a reason to panic. Great stuff, as always. Ryan Dietrich, Chief Market Strategist of Carson Group in Omaha. Up next in Travel Tuesday, what is hot for vacation adventures in 2024? The only program dedicated to currency events. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. And it is Travel Tuesday here on the Noon Business Hour. Today, we're unlocking 2024 travel trends which includes some unique locations offering adventure and sustainability. We now welcome in Angie Rice, co-founder of Boutique Travel Advisors online at TravelBTA.com. Happy New Year, Angie. Thanks for being with us here on the Noon Business Hour today. Uh, let's dive right in here. Uh, trending destinations for trips in the in the early part of the year. What stands out to you? Well, as far as trends, we're also seeing this push towards what type of experience is going to give you that vacation that you're looking for. So it's more about setting goals for your vacation and then determining the destination. We're seeing an emphasis a little bit away from Europe for summer travel. And I think the Olympics in Paris has has a driving force as to why that's happening. Popular destinations are more remote. People are thinking about where can I go to really relax or experience some off the beaten path adventure. So places like Asia and people are looking for trips in South America or if closer Central America, places like Guatemala and Belize. Angie, what are we seeing as travelers kind of put together their wish list uh, when it comes to maybe a, a dream vacation? What are some of the things in 2024 travelers may be looking for? They're looking to be able to grow personally as well as connect with other travelers. I think the trend is is being able to have an agenda, a purpose, and a goal as to why you're traveling. You're spending a lot of money on a vacation. You're also taking time away from work. So you're valuing your time, and you're looking for things that really appeal to you. So if you're somebody who 
really appreciates the outdoors and let's say it's more of a winter destination, you might be planning a ski trip or um, a trip to Antarctica by sailing. And for those of you that are looking for more of a beach type vacation, you know, there was this trend, particularly during the pandemic that people were looking at Mexico and there was more all-inclusive travel, but we're seeing a flip-flop and we're seeing people who want to take trips to the French Polynesia Islands or Maldives and Fiji. Yes, it's further away, but it's this ability to disconnect and be in a remote area where you can really focus on personal growth as well as connecting with your family and friends that you're traveling with. So no matter where you may be thinking of going here in the new year, Angie, what is your advice as far as as timeline for planning, if you want to get away maybe in the spring or or is it maybe even time to be thinking about a summer or fall getaway, what, what's your advice when it comes to kind of the timing of putting together a trip like this? My advice is to really plan your travel 12 months to 18 months in advance. Now, that doesn't mean you have to book and secure the trip at that point in time, but it helps you understand the seasonality of the places where you'd like to travel. For example, sometimes we have people call us and they want to go to the Caribbean in October And our response is, well, that's hurricane season, probably not the best time to travel. Asia, for example, um, Thailand, there's, you know, up in the northern region, you know, there's a lot of humidity different times during the year. So you may not want to travel during peak season, but you really want to get that solar season. So for those of you planning summer, I would say 50 percent of people have probably already confirmed their summer travel. So that means get you know, get moving. Um, as it relates to spring break, now's the time to plan those last minute spring breaks because availability is really, really tight. So quite frankly, sm- summer travel, fall, and even into winter next year, because peak season, winter, you really do, especially if you're traveling with a group and you want a villa, you really should be planning a year in advance. I, I was talking about my next year's ski trip just yesterday and getting that scheduled to give you some indication of how important it is to plan for peak travel a, a well in advance, a good year. Absolutely. Timing is certainly important there. Angie, one last question for you. I, I think a, a big part of, of people planning their getaways has to do with with airfares and travel. Uh, noticing anything different, maybe uh, appealing or, or perhaps concerning when it comes to airfares here in, in 2024? Yeah, I would say one of the challenges as a travel is determining, do I book my airfare first or do I book my land itinerary first? And depending on where prices lie when you go to plan that trip, some people look at the airfare and they think, wow, that's high. Maybe I want to back off and look at booking my land experience, but knowing that the rates are cancelable and I can always tweak the date. Now, availability might change and, and pricing, but at least you know you have that flexibility. But at the same time, we do see that air tends to go up. Um, And I think if you're traveling to popular destinations, Europe being one of them, when we know that there's world events taking place like the Olympics, we know that availability is going to be an issue. And as availability goes down, prices tend to go up. So look at different options. Be flexible. If you're really looking for a savings, sometimes planning your destination around a pit stop somewhere can reduce rates or being willing to book your round trip flights from a different location than home. I mean, I do that a lot with my family. We live in Phoenix, but we have family in Chicago. So I book a lot of my round trips from Chicago, and then I separately find uh, domestic air to get me to and from. And oftentimes I use points to do that. So think outside the box when you're planning airfare, especially when your airfare is for a family of four or six, or you're looking to fly business. That flexibility can save you a lot of money, and that money can then be used for your experiences and in, in destination. 
Really helpful stuff, a little concerning for those of us who've been slacking on scheduling uh, our planning, but but helpful stuff nonetheless, as always. Thanks so much. Andy Rice, co-founder of Boutique Travel Advisors at TravelBTA.com. Join us this time tomorrow for Personal Finance Wednesday and still to come, tracking a rally in Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. About this, Bitcoin at its highest level in nearly two years. Let's update the cryptocurrency market now with Bill Uliveri, owner of Senecal Capital Management in Glenview, online at SenecalCapital.com. Bill, Happy New Year. Thanks for joining us today on the Noon Business Hour. Uh, what exactly is behind this uh, this big Bitcoin rally here that we're seeing? Well, it's still the prospect of a spot exchange-traded fund being listed uh, that contains Bitcoin. Uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum were the returns in 2023 were absolutely astounding. Ethereum up 92, 93 percent. Bitcoin up 150. Grayscale Bitcoin Investment Trust up 300. And gold was up about 13 uh, percent and silver was down on the year. So once again, we have this new asset class that is gaining all the uh, attention of institutional investors and retail clients. And it just seems as though this is an exciting news for a new asset class being listed in an exchange-traded fund format that anybody can buy in virtually any account. Bill, can this rally last? I mean, is there the possibility of a potential maybe bubble here? Well, it's funny because there's a there's a a funny meme out there where it's Jim Cramer. Whenever he he uh, you know talks about something positive, the asset class goes negative, and vice versa. And uh, Kramer was very vehemently against Bitcoin a number of years ago, and now he kind of turned positive on it at 45700 So the rumor is, and I say this with little tongue-in-cheek, that we've had an incredible rally. We're probably due for a pullback because, again, I don't know if there's anything – don't think there's anything specifically uh, special with Bitcoin other than it is a risk-on asset just like the NASDAQ QQQ and S&P 500. And so we're going to see it ebb and flow just like other asset classes. So it might be a little bit. Also, remember the old saying, you know, buy the rumor, sell the news. Once the Bitcoin ETF gets approved, I think we're probably going to see a decline rather than a big rally just because of the anticipation. And, and we've seen this movie a hundred times before. And Bill, kind of lastly, to bring it back to our gains podcast, you and our producer, Andy Gersher there, uh, made a forecast for a million dollar Bitcoin. Take me through uh, the, the idea behind that, that forecast. Well, every four years, the supply of Bitcoin that's available on an annual basis gets reduced by 50%. So you have to ask yourself the question, if there was half as much corn, half as much soybeans, half as much housing, half as much pork bellies, on, the, on an annual basis, what does that do to the price? Well, you can anticipate that the price would at least double. Same with Bitcoin. We have maybe 120 days left until the 50% supply on a daily basis of issuance gets cut in half. So the theory is that every four years, there's 50% less Bitcoin available. And actually, with only 21 million total tokens, more than 19.5 million are already spoken for. So we have only maybe 1.5 million Bitcoin for the rest of its life available to institutional and retail clients. And so this is the million-dollar Bitcoin target was based on supply, demand, and this thing called the halvening, where its supply is cut in half every four years. And so economically, if you treat Bitcoin like any other asset class, any other commodity, that's kind of where the forecasted uh, price goes to in the next couple of years. 
Fascinating stuff. Thanks, as always, Bill Uliveri, owner of Seneca Capital Management in Glenview, SenecaCapital.com. Don't forget, if you missed any part of today's show, you can go to our stream and skip back to the time you want. There's a pause and rewind function working both online and with the Odyssey app. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.